everybody, and welcome back to another episode of... Beneath the Screen of the Ultra Critics! Suckers! Alright. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> welcome back. Did, uh, did you just accuse people of being suckers for listening to the show? <laughs> Maybe. Um, Our advertising is great. <laughs> See, well, honest. That's true. Alright, uh, I'm joined again as usually... Uh, ah, there you my go. co-host Thad, say hello what? Thad. What? Hi. Hello, yes. And my other co-host, Kara, say hello Kara. Oh, hello Kara. Ah, Johnny Carson's legacy lives on. Um, <laughs> we're continuing on a musical theme discussion. This will also be the last musical theme discussion. Um, and we're ending on two doozies. Um, <laughs> Rock-a-doodle and Cats Don't Dance. Because we haven't done really any animated movies, and it's also been a while since we've watched movies that have made us question why we do anything. <laughs> you Jeremiah. are wrong. I love these movies. Jeremiah's a cranky man. Uh, I want you I, to understand, for Cats Don't Dance, I had to stop, and it's not that long of a movie. It is not. <laughs> it's like 70 minutes or so. I had to stop halfway through, and See, I started here's... watching Chernobyl. <laughs> And I watched an episode of Chernobyl, and then I was like, I gotta take a break from this. And I went back to Cast Don't Dance, and I found myself missing the nuclear disaster. See, here's the thing about, uh, so before the show, behind the scenes talk, uh, Jeremiah was concerned we weren't going to have enough to talk about. <laughs> and while I can see that, especially if Kara weren't here because of, uh, <laughs> how much. Oh, oh, yeah. I mean, specifically, she, she loves Rockadoodle. It is a movie that, that she, both of us had seen before, but I had only seen once because I, I remember seeing it in theaters and being like, well, I saw that and walking away confused. And this would have been in 1991 when I was like five. So Yeah, and Rockadoodle is something I saw as a kid. And as a yeah. kid, it's good. Mm. It's also the thing as Don Bluth. Yeah. So I have to, to Oh hold on, hold on. I, I didn't get my I didn't get yeah. to the okay. other side of my finish. point. <laughs> okay. So so Jeremiah was concerned we we're gonna run out of things to talk about, but the thing about that is that I actually one of the reasons why I will argue that even though it displeased Jeremiah greatly, uh <laughs> one of the other reasons why it's fine. To, t- to have these movies as as uh, central sla- central topics slash jumping off points is we've also all seen most Disney animated musicals. This is true. Like, like we can jump off of that and to and also like there's a good connection there since Mark Dindle, the guy who was the writer director of uh, Cats Don't Dance, much like Don Bluth, was a Disney animator because you can't avoid that and. Uh, so he's got a lot of connections there, and he also directed one of my favorite uh, animated musicals, uh, The Emperor's New Groove. Oh, nice. Yeah. You see that influence. You and see that influence really clearly from Cats Don't Dance, The Emperor's New Groove. Like, even in things like how people move and He also directed the, uh, the animated segment in The Rocketeer of the uh, the animated oh, nice. Nazi plan. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. like, I, I have a theory about Mark Dindle, and we'll, we'll get back to that when we're, we're talking about so, the movie more specifically. But, Kara, what were you saying? I have to talk about Rockadoodle. Um, okay. So, first okay, of all... Hold on. Okay. Is this about the movie? Yes. Yes. Okay, so we're gonna start talking about the movie. I want to make sure that we're done with the... <laughs> with the with the the, the sort of pre-topic van. No. <laughs> no, we're well. It's, it's this is about my theory of Rockadoodle. So 
I'm going to preface this with, while watching Rockadoodle, Thais had not seen it in, like he said, many, many years, and Thais has a very poor memory for certain things. So I think there is, and I can't remember when it was, I should have written it down, but there are two moments where he, like, kind of... I forgot there was a frame story. Yeah, he looked up from his phone and went, what the fuck? Like, he (laughs) forgot... Yeah. yeah. I there, thought it was a live action frame story, which is a very 90s thing to, right. to have. Yeah. It's the page master all over yeah. again. Yep. But um, I, I love both of these movies. And the reason I specifically love Rock Doodle is it is not one of the best Bluth films by any extent of the imagination. You know, An American Tale, uh, The Secret Land Before Time. So much better. Um, Land Before Time, All Dogs Go to Heaven, all those I'd put much higher than this. But. Uh, Rockadoodle is a great film, and one of the reasons that Bluth films are great is exemplified in it, which is that it has a very clear theme. It has a very clear, unambiguously, clearly stated theme that is barely mentioned at all in the film. And what's great about that is that children know what the theme is because it's about them. Uh, so the plot of Rockadoodle is taken from Nun's oh God. tale. Yes. Um, and so essentially, very quickly... That's from the Canterbury is... Tales if you're not a giant English nerd. <laughs> so, uh, very And briefly, it's even older than that, but yeah, I'm yes. going to shut up about it now. <laughs> so, on and on and on. Yeah, so the, the, the way the movie is constructed is a little boy is being read a story as he has his farm floods. Um, the story is about how a rooster makes the sun shine. As his farm floods, he a cartoon atmosphere enters. A, a giant owl tells him that he is making the farm flood on purpose, where he meets a cast of cheerful characters who explain to him that the rooster that calls up the sun has been tricked and betrayed by the owl and left for the city. And until the rooster comes back and crows, the sun will never come again. So they go to Vegas. The boy gets turned into a cat. I am not playing with you guys. This happens in like 15 minutes. The boy gets turned into a cat. They all go to Vegas, where they find that the rooster, who has arms which frightened me. I forgot how much that freaked me out has been turned and into El- mm-hmm. yeah. has is now Elvis rooster. They, sl- he falls in love with someone else who solely works with them to convince him to come back to the farm. And through chanting of his name, Chanticleer, the rooster once again, crows driving away the owls. Mm. The boy is turned from a kitty back into a human boy after he dies. Check me on this. He dies and is turned yeah. back into a human being. And then the flooding well is stopped. <laughs> The premise, of course, the the theme of this film that begins at the beginning is Edmund is like maybe six. A lot of people have lisps and stuff in this movie, uh, which which strikes to home with me and my many years of speech therapy. Uh, but Edmund wants to go out and help the big boys um, stack uh, sandbag, sandbag the farm to protect it from the flood. And his mom tells him, no, you're too little. And so the theme of being told you're too little, of being actually too little to do things, or believing you're too little when you're not, shows up again and again and again, but is not very often explicitly stated in the film. But I remember as a kid watching it and being like, yes, being too small for things and being told I can't do things or being actually unable to do them is one of the overwhelming arches of like being a small child. And I was a very tall child, but like it was such a strong theme. It was. And so what's great about this is I didn't watch it when I was like four. And I went back and watched it when I was like 16 with my friend and her little brother. And her little brother was about seven and autistic. And we asked him, we're like, sweetie, what is this movie about? And he's like, it is about being small. And we're like, what else is it about? He's like, I don't know. There is a rooster. I love it. And then, like, walked out of the room. And I'm like, wow, that child has just encapsulated Rockadoodle. 
But yeah, like Rockadoodle is a movie very much built on the logic of children. And I think that people often criticize Bluth films for like being like, oh, they don't make sense. Or they don't hang together. And I think that they don't for adults, but they do very much for children. I will agree on that much. Yeah, they, they're I, not const- I find that argument compelling. They're not constructed in a way to make sense for adults. They're constructed in a way to make sense for children. And there's a lots of things that children just have assumptions about that don't need to be explained. But then as you grow up and you get older and you forget what it's like to be a child, you do need you have different assumptions. But Bluth films are like this movie's made for six year olds and it's made, meant to terrify them. Just roll with that. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and this is also the thing of like, I don't really need explanations. Although it yeah. is really, ra- it is rare to see an entire character with magical powers and no one else, and no yeah. one else really seems at all concerned by or yeah. like, and I, he's, I he's defeated also that. not by magical powers. Yeah, no. Uh, I would also uh, put excuse me. Beetle... I'm pretty sure that getting the sun to rise by singing does count as a magical power. It's just that it Fair. doesn't. Oh, but, but but to make it clear, the rooster sings. Like this rollicking kind of old school country Elvis song. Yeah, it's got right. very rockabilly rooster. Yeah, very rockabilly rooster. And uh, all of it's the... almost like that's related to the title of the movie. <laughs> it's just it's it's a weird it's a weird movie. <laughs> what are you saying? <laughs> I but know, I, I cannot <laughs> emphasize this enough. Okay, so the birds in the movie, like normally, what they do is uh, if. There are birds that have hands. They kind of give them wings with like kind of pseudo hands oh, at the end of it. Oh, okay. like their we're, so we're not cuts. we're not talking theme anymore. We're talking no, you we're being uncomfortable on. with birds that it's have just, arms. The theme shit's done. We're moving on to the important stuff. We got to talk Things about something else. I'm sorry. In my sleep. <laughs> no, the theme is the theme of being too little is mentioned like kind of specifically mentioned twice and then alluded to like a third time and then never mentioned again and then Edmund dies and apparently dying as it makes you grow up I don't know it doesn't yeah. matter what matters is the roosters have arms another life yes yes uh, and so like adolescence is a kind of murder chrysalis through which <laughs> we reach adulthood uh, so I, just, oh, I have I been wandering around the I house narrating things. I, it's, a, it, yeah. it's a bad Herzog. I, I need to work on it because, like, I realized recently through discussion that Kara has never on, like, either hasn't or hasn't on purpose seen a Herzog movie. And I so I need to, like, make her Most watch Herzog haven't. movies. Yeah. Uh, I, lo- I love that man so much. Uh, he's one of the few famous people that if he turned out to be some sort of uh, asshole, I would be broken really deeply by it. <laughs> You've heard about him and Baby Yoda, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, he, yeah. Lo- like, he loves Baby Yoda and has never seen Star Wars, and that is exactly what Werner Herzog would do. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry, Kara. Uh, <laughs> no, but back to the thing that we really need to focus on. The Bird arms. arms. Yeah. Hmm. Okay, so normally <laughs> what animators do is they essentially leave the birds with um They basically end up with wings that have hands, right? Yeah. Except so for hands, it's owl. like Yeah, yeah, like the owl is so basically like the tips of their wings have feathers that are a little bit more dexterous than feathers would be, but it's not enough to bother you. But with the roosters, what they did is they just made their wings into giant thick arms, hmm. but without really feathers. But they didn't foreshorten the arms, so their arms go to their knees with these giant biceps. And they wear shirts, so it's very clear that these are, in fact, arms and not (laughs) wings. And it was very unsettling 
Well, here's my question. Mm. I know it's made for kids. Mm-hmm. But are kids going to get the Elvis reference? No. Okay. <laughs> I think both of the, the... Another theme between both of these movies is the insistence on the creators of referencing things the kids will not get. Oh, yeah, no, we'll get to the second movie. We'll get to that one. Because <laughs> well, well, I have what's weird? on that one. Me too. <laughs> well, what's weird, though, about kids is that we often understand that something is a reference without knowing how it is a reference. Yeah. True, yeah. Yeah, we, we well, I mean, this is doubly applicable when we get to Cats Don't Dance, because Karen and I were talking about this earlier, was the, it, it, it falls into that Warner Brothers tradition of, like, referencing things that kids are not going to get as much. Yeah. I but mean, we, granted, a lot of the things that we saw that were Warner Brothers cartoons as kids were made for kids who might have gotten the references because they were from decades old. Like, Looney Tunes were made, like, right. a while ago, and we just saw them in reruns. I, yeah, think I didn't those... get half of those characters they had on Looney Tunes yeah. until I started watching older movies in my like, yeah. But but and this is what this is what we were talking about uh, is um, the caricatures that Warner Brothers cartoons will do are so good yeah. and so memorable that when you like when you as an adult who grew up watching Looney Tunes see those movies later, you're like, I know that person. Why do I know that person? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There, there are certain ways of speaking and stuff that I'm like, oh, oh, that's referencing like a famous actor or a person from like the yeah. 30s and a cartoon that was made in like the 40s that I watched in the 80s. Like this is, <laughs> or like sometimes it's like something that's so digested. Yeah. Um, here's, here's an example of this. So hold on. <laughs> I was just talking about this and that makes it smart and relevant. Sure. Okay. Peter Pan. So oh, yeah. uh, the Disney action Peter Pan has a song called What Makes the Red Man Red. Oh. <laughs> and uh, it's so it's a song that's basically a bunch of joking how-to stories on why Native Americans aren't white, and it's it's weird. If you go back and watch it, you're like, oh, huh. And so I was discussing like the nature of the racism embedded in this, but I remember watching it as a kid. One of the lines in it says something a joke of um something about like the Indian did something when he saw his mother-in-law. And I remember watching this as a really little kid, like being five or six years old and being like, oh, he's screwing with them because that's a joke. Anything about mother-in-laws is a joke. So this is all a joke. He's messing with them. And that was something that was weird because in an additional story, I didn't know what a mother-in-law was. It was just a, it was, it was something that you read automatically as a punchline because of how yes. it's used in media. I knew it was a punchline, but I didn't know what the joke was. And this links to another story about when my parents were trying to teach me how to read, they used to play Taboo, which mm-hmm. is a game where you're given a word and words that you can't say and you have to convince someone to say the word. So if the word is couch, you can't use cushion. And the word was uh, in-laws. And I said, you know, they like steal things and they're with cowboys and they're bad and you wish they were dead. <laughs> and my dad watched me say all of this and didn't change, like, looked at what I was saying and like turned bright red, but didn't stop me. And my mom couldn't guess the word because I'd mixed up in laws and outlaws. <laughs> That's amazing. Well- So the whole point of this is children sometimes recognize that something is a reference or a joke without knowing what is referencing or joking about. Mm. Yeah. And references as a thing are actually as old as Hollywood itself. They're not entirely a new thing as much as people hate them. Yeah. Um, 
I don't I know how people can make an argument that like, oh, this weird like new trend of everything being references. It's like, did you watch any of the cartoons we grew up with? Recently, did you watch the... silent films? Recently, the Egyptian had a uh, double feature of Carol Lombard pre-Code films. Mm-hmm. And I was watching one uh, called Virtue. And they had this scene where the guy's like, I was really bad last night, wasn't I? And the guy's like, well, you didn't look like Clark Gable. <laughs> Which is even doubly funny, because like two years later, she was going to marry Clark Gable. And the guy ah. who asked that question was playing her husband. <laughs> That's fun. <laughs> but yes, no, Rockadoodle is Don Bluth films are... There are moments in every one of them where you're like, this is gorgeous, or this is haunting, this is... Mm. Like, there's something about his animation style that really just grabs a moment and an emotion and really etches it into a child's mind. Mm. When he's on it, it's fantastic. When he's off, (laughs) you're just like, I don't know what's going on, but this is cool. And much like with Carrie, you're just like, I don't... Like, I get the theme, but at the same time, I'm like, why is it live action? Like, <laughs> as an adult, I'm like, this is like, looks like you took all the things from things you love, threw them into a gumbo pot, stirred them up, and it's like really hoping they weren't going to notice the ingredients. Yeah. <laughs> and, and as a kid, it works. As an adult, you're like, I recognize all these things. I mm. don't know why you put them together. I do yeah. think that's one of the interesting things in if the if there is a a trend that has gotten stronger in in modern animation it's making it's movies that are made for both parents and kids. Yeah. As opposed to this like uh Rockadoodle and a lot of these Bluth movies, not all, but a lot of them are made very strongly for kids. I think yeah. this is this is maybe the one that is the most uh kid like centric, I, I I think that Land Before Time probably is as well because I think as an adult I would find it more boring, right? Uh, than I did as a kid where, where the watching. I the can't mention that title in my household. Oh really? No, it oh, has okay. too is much it, of an emotional impact. Oh yeah. Oh, <laughs> I was like, right. is it because uh, it causes tears or hatred? Tears. Okay. Yeah. 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 That's fair. Other people, yeah, people have emotions. I forget sometimes. <laughs> no, no, no. But I'm just saying, like. They haven't mm. watched it since then. Yeah, yeah, no. Well, it like it, it leaves it leaves a, a mark. Deep, <laughs> like, like it resonates through your lifetime. Yeah, yeah. it is. It is not. Uh, yeah, uh, it, there there are not kid gloves in right. the like emotional content in those movies, and I I appreciate that. Well, about, um, about I don't know if either one of you have seen uh, John Cocteau's uh, Beauty and the Beast, nineteen thirties French film. We, We've talked about it on this show, Jeremiah. Yeah, but have you seen it? I forget. I'm gonna. Ugh, okay, fine, fine. I haven't. <laughs> okay, you. So... I'm. I'm saying that you had me watch it. Oh, we did. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I forgot. I <laughs> I do want to point out that Thaddeus and I live together, and uh, also we sleep oh, in the. Sh- you're the one who's been in here this whole time? <laughs> and I sleep in the living room, and somehow he managed to watch this movie without me. So I'm not Anyhow, I'm confused. the beginning of Beauty and the Beast, there's this really great moment where Cocteau ha- is writing on the chalkboard and basically asking the audience, stop thinking. 
Yeah, it's a fairy tale. Yeah. Let it be. Yeah, like let it just be. Remember when you were a kid and everything just made sense? Mm. Go back to that. Uh, Lindsay Ellis actually talks about that. In one of her yeah, she videos. referenced that in her video about the live action Beauty and the Beast. Oh yeah, I remember. <laughs> which was, oh, which is remember. still just a waste of Dan Stevens, who it's I a waste uh, absolutely of everybody love. Everybody involved who was wildly talented. Yeah, but I, I specifically love Dan Stevens because I'm obsessed with Legion. You know who actually was the most wasted in the live action Disney movie, hands down, without question. Audra McDonald, costume designer. Yeah. Mm, that's that's fair. They're the most ubiquitously present person, and uh, it just they didn't, they didn't do yeah, it. Yeah, they they nailed it, and everyone else dropped the goddamn ball, <laughs> except for uh, the the dress. Belle's dress was disgusting. Her has strong opinions about that. Now, Lagadoodle is interesting in the fact that <laughs> it's a deeply southern movie. Mm, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I mean that, well, like, deep, deeply southern at the very least, for a movie called Lagadoodle, it has a lot of country people in it. Yeah. yeah. Glenn Campbell. Uh, and yet, so like, yeah, Charles Nelson Riley. So, well, book, otherwise known as Boss Hog from uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> Dukes of Hazard. Mm-hmm. Charles Nelson Riley is basically famous for Hollywood Squares and Match Game. Yeah. And that's back in famous for being uh, like a panel show, and that's basically what he was. I know him from Cannonball Run, too, because I appreciate the classics. <laughs> uh, Sandy Duncan, speaking of classics. If I hmm. remember correctly, if that's what I think it is. Yes, the cat from outer space. Hmm. <laughs> if you guys haven't seen the cat from outer space, oh, you I need do to not think I have. Dean, jo- um, not not Dean Jones, the guy who was from Mayberry RFD. Anyhow, yeah, no, cat from outer space. Totally check it. <laughs> Disney movie should be on Disney Plus. If it's not on Disney Plus, they have dropped the ball. I don't have Disney Plus. That costs money. Yeah, I know. I don't have it either. I will say. I was about thing to, that... Jeremiah, seriously about to ask you if you had it and if you'd be willing to share it. So... <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to buy it because Disney is becoming like infinite oh. jest oh, corporations name the years kind of nonsense. I'm like, don't buy it. And it's like it's twelve ninety nine, and you can get Hulu. And I'm like, oh, I could watch Tokyo Ghoul. <laughs> All right. Now the one thing that really bothered me about Rockadoodle, and I realize mm. I have the no one to thing? say this. Mm. Is because of my own voice, but Eddie Deason. <laughs> I was and I don't if... know, it's because they gave him nothing to say. Yeah. <laughs> but I was like, Eddie Deason is not a person you want in your movie as a side character. He is mm. someone you want there for like a short burst of time, in which, to their credit, it was a short burst of time, but it was a short burst of time that felt like an eternity. <laughs> uh, who's Eddie? Eddie Deason is, if I recall, Mandark. Yes. And what does he sound like? <laughs> That's not what he sounds like at all. That wasn't like nails on a chalkboard. That That's a like Mandark laugh. Happiness all unrolled into one. Uh, uh, yeah, so he actually plays this character who's a bird, who's like misogynistic towards this little mouse and keeps making fun of her for being a girl, as little kids, especially in the 90s, were wont to do. <laughs> but uh, what's weird is the mouse actually saves the day. Yeah. Um. And uh, that's never acknowledged. No. Mm. Everyone's like, yeah, of course, like, boys are misogynistic to girls who are much more competent and intelligent. And when the girls are competent, no one really cares. That's just how things are. And uh, looking back, I'm like, oh, yeah, like, a lot of ch- my childhood was like, oh, yeah, you're going to be better than the boys, but no one will ever acknowledge it. That's normal. Don't worry about so it. So it's nice yeah. to see that re- that truth reflected in media. <laughs> yeah. Um. Part of the, I think, what really works 
in besides the imagery is mm-hmm. the owl, but I think that's because you got Christopher Plummer. <laughs> yeah, he, he steals that. Like Christopher Plummer will will do any role and just make it work. Because like it does, like Logadoodle does have one of my pet peeves, both in mm-hmm. children movies, even when I was a kid, in which you have the main character, and then for reasons, for no real reason, he's knocked unconscious mm. for like the majority of the last act, and I'm like, why are we here? Just don't have him. <laughs> Just like, kind of like, I would rather have a reason for why he's not here than for a reason to just drag around his corpse. Because it's almost <laughs> never done anything. There's never any comedy with having to, like, lug around a lifeless body. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of... It literally not... drags down the movie. And I thought uh, this even as a child. <laughs> <laughs> There's a, also a great... So it's something that you mentioned, Jeremiah, that I think would be now be a good moment to visit. Um, Rockadoodle is a, a musical, oh, and it yeah. has some. It has a very talented person doing a pretty decent Elvis, well, Elvis, ev- yeah. Elvis <laughs> evocative. It's an Elvis evocative kind of singing. It's not yeah. like trying to copy him. It's very evocative of like his sound and his style, but it's not a uh, parody. Right. But um, it also has a song. That is, woo 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 woo. No batteries. That's the song. <laughs> I sung you the whole thing right now, <laughs> and I need you guys to understand. I love that song, and I have looked it up on YouTube multiple times to listen to the owls go hoot hoot hoot. No batteries. I want you to understand that Glenn Campbell, mm-hmm. even when that movie came out, is not a name that children would know. No, the only reason I would have known, like, I, I actually might have known Glenn Campbell at the time, but only because of the amount of times my uh, dad uh, and I had watched True Grit, even like, by the time I was, I was like, like five. That's because we grew up in the Midwest and country music is a thing, but in the 90s, country music uh, was actually, so, like, people might have known, but mm. not, like, to the but extent. But not, not like Glenn Campbell-era country yeah. music, though. <laughs> no, not only that, but, like, not enough to, like, oh, there's a cartoon starring Glenn Campbell? I guess to go see that. Yeah. <laughs> now, if you made one starring Dolly Parton... Oh, hands there. down, I'd be all over that. I'd be there today. I've I'm seen... Straight I've talk? Seen... Are you kidding me? Yes, Malachi Stars are racist. I didn't know that then. <laughs> I mean, everything from then probably co-stars are racist. Fair. Can we all agree that everybody loves Dolly Parton? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And if they don't, they're a monster. Mm-hmm. I love uh, that Dolly Parton my... doesn't like feminists, but she just did like a thing on Netflix spotlighting fem- uh, women country singers because they're so overlooked. I'm like, eh. It's a thing with Southerners are taught not to like feminists, even yeah, though it's, the, 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 <laughs> Yeah, the, that's a very, you keep using that word, I'm not sure it means what you think it means exactly. moment. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway. Um, All right, so Rockadoodle. Um, yeah. I don't want to watch that again. Fair. But if I have a gun to my head and they're like, watch this or the next movie again, I'm going to pick Rockadoodle every time. I like the fact that you picked uh... this movie, but it's still one that Kara liked a lot. No, 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 no. Kara really wanted to do this movie. And oh, I was Catherine like, all right, she hasn't chosen anything yet. I'll uh. give her this. What's a good combo to go with this? And I'm like, well, Rockadoodle, what do I remember? Eh? To fucked up. So what are the two other movies? No, 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 no. no. I mean. <laughs> I mean, I mean, uh, Kara had also like "Cats Don't Dance" as a movie she had seen before. And yeah, I love "Cats Don't Dance." Oh, who hurt you as a <laughs> child? And we should report them. <laughs> no, so uh, like the background is, I talk about Rockadoodle 
and my theories about Rockadoodle like ad nauseum all the time for yeah, she, years. She does like it a lot, and it's not a good movie. <laughs> Just the sadness and recognition in your voice. <laughs> but uh, Thaddeus, as a, he asked me a question. What was it? He's like, hey, Kara, if we had a podcast, what would it be about? Like, we, we ask each other dumb questions. And he asked me a question. My response was, Rockadoodle, like with a demon voice. I want you to know you said that to me, not like in terms of like, what would your podcast be about? But like, to the same extent, like Planet of the Apes, your voice went to this level. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I was like, I don't know if. Yeah, I mean, don't don't judge don't judge Kara on these two movies because she also loves all of the Planet of the Apes movies in the original <gasps> series. So I you know, do. that wasn't the voice you made. I want to put. I want to. No, 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 no. That wasn't the. Ah, oh, it was the. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. Like as one possessed. Look, I, 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 I don't disagree. Look, anyway, wait. Look, language going to be. Give me your soul, feeble Jeremiah. Woman. Jeremiah. Oh. I know that you don't want to. But we have to talk about Cats Don't Dance. Can, can I can I summarize it for people? You're the only one summarizing movies. So yeah. Yay. No, yeah, okay. you're the, you're, that's basically your job at this point. <laughs> so I need I need to articulate something to people that Cats Don't Dance is a movie about um, segregated Hollywood and racism. It is a metaphor that contains no actual black people. I told you, you does one. Yeah, no, I think there's one. Jackie yes, yeah. yes. No, okay, but that's well, not a black two, Technically, person. two because Jasmine Guy's sing, uh, like the her character's singing voice is Natalie Cole. Yeah. So no, so what you're talking about is a black voice actor voicing an animal. Okay, you're oh, saying no black characters. There are no black characters. I see. There we go. Every so every human being is white. So in a movie about racism, there are no black human beings. We have purged the earth of actual black people okay. in this world. Anyway, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, so that the, is weird. So the plot <laughs> of the movie is that animals are anthropomorphic. They can sing, dance, talk, and have the same intelligences as human beings. Uh, this is about the 40s. Do you want to say 40s? 40s feels right. 30s, I would say. 30s? This it's is 30s. 30s. It doesn't really have a time. It's just mm. more about the 30s or 40s, possibly it's, some 50s. It's because... We'll get to that. It doesn't have yeah. a real it's, it's, idea of what it wants to be. It's the right. nebulous historical nowhere of yesteryear. Yes. Where cars and televisions exist and movies are in color. Mm. So, yeah. About 30s, 40s. Um, a young cat named Danny, who's literally an orange cat, comes to the city intent on being discovered and being famous after a week. He gets a bit part in a film with Miss Darla Dent, a Shirley, an evil Shirley Temple copy, which he immediately ruins, realizes that there's an incredible level of discrimination due to animals in the industry. Uh, Darla Dent, not Darla Dent, wow, that was uh, Freudian. Uh, what was her name again? Darla Dimple. Darla Dimple, sorry. Darla Dimple, uh, tricks him into believing, into trusting her, into trying to get an audition for the animals, which fails miserably. There are some song and dance sequences where she is evil and he is sad. Eventually, he manages to take over the theater after the premiere of her big show. The animals rally to him, do an impressive dance number in which Darla Dimple tries to ruin, but every time she ruins it, it turns out better, and at the end, she's revealed to suck. They are revealed to be talented, and there is a montage of 90s movies posters in which animals have replaced humans. <laughs> Danny yeah. Yeah. comes and having is as a character is a horrible person. He and, comes, but but he he's voiced by Scott Bakula, so it's fine. He is. Here's the thing: I love Scott Bakula because he introduced to my adolescent years of liberalism via Quantum Leap. Sure, 
At the same time, the amount of things outside of Quantum Leap that as much as I love Scott Bakula, Scott Bakula that I'm just like, whoa! Well, I think how? it's important. Yeah. I would like to share a story about Quantum Leap now. A uh, person who I know <laughs> in my life who will, rename, who will remain unnamed recently shared this with me. Uh, she was, it was not oh. Thaddeus. Okay. This person who is an elder female, older female relative of mine. It's like elder. Was, uh, asked to babysit several children in the family. At which point another relative who is not my mother decided it would be funny to feed her mushrooms before leaving. And so she just has this very distinct memory of sitting in a room full of children watching quantum leap while high on mushrooms. Right, that one could jump within his own lifetime. Yeah. yeah. Dr. Samuel so, and when she shared the story with me, this uh, this older female relative mentioned that, A, I was one of the children there. Mm. B, none of this was my mother's fault. That's very important to emphasize. <laughs> and C, then plaintively asked, why did they think it was funny to give me their children and drug me? <laughs> Because it was their children. And that's one of those moments that whenever I watch Quantum Leap, I remember that story. I just want to know it's a horrifying story. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) This is is my family. This is our people. So, Cats Don't Dance, much like Rockadoodle, is a movie heavily inspired by other movies. Yeah. Unlike Rockadoodle, seems totally unaware of how to be a movie. Yeah. Yeah. Rocket Doodle has a very, has a distinct vision of what it thinks it's doing and is saying. It could right. be doing it better or more clearly, but I'm not quite sure what Cats Don't Dance is trying to say. Oh, I, 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 I 100% know it. But, like, uh, I get what they're trying to do, but at the same time, I'm like, you guys are failing because you haven't really grappled with what you want to do. Yeah. <laughs> well, here, here's yeah. the thing. Yes, it's about segregation. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I see people there. Mm. And animals, and some animals talk, and others don't. I'm not as worried about that. Right, but at the same time, I'm like, wait, 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 so do they have pets? <laughs> well, they, what's interesting is they have, like, sweets that are clearly milk-based. So is someone milking a hum- like a, a sentient yeah. cow? <laughs> y'all, are, y'all are getting lost in the weeds here. This is... well, okay, that's because Cats Don't Dance doesn't give us anything but to get lost in the weeds. Cats Don't Dance has one of my favorite songs, though. Mm. Not one of my favorites, but one that I really enjoy, which is um, Big and Loud, sung by Darla Dimple. Okay. And it's too okay, short. that makes so much more oh. sense. When you were saying to me, Big and Loud, Jeremiah, I love Big and Loud, I was in my head going, but care, there are bigger and louder movies to like. No, no, she was saying the title of the song. Because <laughs> the songs to me just sort of left me as soon as they happened, so I had no idea that was the title. Okay. Yeah, yeah or that may actually not be the title. But mm. that makes but... sense. Everything makes sense. Okay, we're back to normal now. <laughs> are we, though, having well, seen that? we're still talking about Cast Don't Dance. Uh, I think I first saw Cats Don't Dance on, on television, because I think it ran on, like, Cartoon Network or something. It wouldn't be surprising. Yeah, like, back it was when one they, of those that came when, out in theaters for, like, a week, if that. Yeah, back when they, they had fewer, less original content and just showed, like, cartoons. <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> You're like, back when the days when they had less original content. Meanwhile, Marvel movie number 23... But no, I, I mean less on Cartoon Network. Like it, gotcha. it if I, like it started out as more of a, a showing old cartoons network, if I recall, gotcha. plus some of their own shows. But like, like to get back to your point, um, 
my point that there are no black human beings mm. even so the animal that we know there's a main character her name is sawyer She's sort of um, Danny's foil. So Danny comes all hyped up, all ready to be successful, and Sawyer is another cat who tries to be like, don't plan for anything good. Bad things only happen in this city. Give up on your dreams. And she is voiced by... The sensible character. The sensible (laughs) character, who he ignores and repeatedly humiliates in a great lesson. uh, (laughs) Never listen to women and harass them when they try to explain what reality is, and then be somewhat angry when they are right. Sawyer, who is voiced by a black actress, and her vo- her singing voice is also apparently a black actress, yeah. is a white cat. Yeah. Of course it is. The actress so, is Jasmine Guy. The singer yeah. is Natalie Gold. So, like, like, the animals are not coded as... Like, like, she, like, Sawyer is not coded as, like, someone that we are supposed to understand is a cat, but also is a black woman. She's just not in any way like that's part of like the the disturbing thing about this is everybody in this is either literally white or like kind of coded as white in a very weird way like it's it's so strange to make a movie about segregation yeah with it's like i don't care if you're black red purple or orange yeah honestly it makes a lot of it makes a lot of sense to me in a sad way because it it strikes me as very much like the the naive like white person idea of segregation right yeah well, this is actually a problem outside of castone dance especially with sci-fi oh, and fantasy yes. mm-hmm. whenever yeah, they yeah, try yeah. to do anything about racism they mm. manage to not include any other race but white yeah <laughs> yeah and and that has a really interesting like response because like oh like we are racist against these space aliens the way we were once against black people but there are no black people here i'm like how did you Thank- resolve that issue <laughs> Thankful- yeah the, the the underlying implication there is not great because <laughs> <laughs> really because really since since whiteness is defined as an exclusionary concept and the future seems to be full of only white people there's only one way that can happen it's a terrifying thought <laughs> And I don't think it's what they mean, but I think it shows uh, yeah. what what is wrong with with white people. Yeah, <laughs> I so feel that yeah. that is that is something as a white person well, I, think- I can I can say. And what's what's terrible about this movie, Cats Don't Dance, is that as a child I understood that it was about discrimination, but it wasn't until going back as an adult and realizing that there are no black people in it that yeah. I was like. Oh, oh, this is weird. Like, I'm like, oh, so well, this even is then, like, you me on liberalism. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, yeah, I, it, it's interesting because I, I can see what they're trying to do. Mm-hmm. But it is just, like, naive and perpetuating a very shallow version of that that in a lot of ways can backfire because what if you learn that like oh this is the kind of story we need to tell about blah 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 and then like that's what you internalize and then later someone points out actually there's a lot of racism packed into that that can cause people to get defensive and angry and okay, lead them so down bad roads <laughs> another thing is rockadoodle looks really good despite yeah. its issues it looks good cast yeah. don't dance like i can see what they're going to but at times i'm like this looks cheap well, here's the thing. Cats have no background. Yeah. <laughs> well, Cats Don't Dance looks like a Warner Brothers TV show from the 90s. <laughs> like, it's it's yeah. no better than any given episode of Tiny Toon Adventures or um, 
or Animaniacs or anything Which in that really vein. popped with color in a way that Cash Don't Dance doesn't. Yeah. And one it's of the things, palette. right? Yeah. And one of the things they do when they try to recapture like those old like Gene Kelly movies, because Gene Kelly was a like contributor and a guy yeah, that he was, consulted. This movie is stacked with talent. It's insane, right? And then they do the dance number, and it's kind of meh. Ugh, and I that's because also, going back to Kara's, uh, oh my god, the chickens have arms. Mm. The cats don't have feet. <laughs> They're not drawn in any way that makes them like stick out. So when the tap dancing, I'm like, I guess you're tap dancing. It doesn't really... Yeah, it's it doesn't. I didn't yeah. catch that. I didn't catch the cats were tap dancing. Yeah, it's like the, the <laughs> because it's uh, impossible to tell. Yeah, crying. according to according to the Wikipedia, like the songs were written by Randy Newman and include like Gene Kelly choreography. It's like Here's what the, the hell? You cannot have songs by Randy Newman that dissipate almost on impact. I That's know. not what Randy Newman does. How is I remember that? the Monk theme song. <laughs> I remember the song, the last episode of Monk, because that's the power of Randy Newman. <laughs> and nope. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I don't know. My 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 theory Mr. about Jones this movie is that this. My theory about this movie, and and one of the reasons why I actually think it's it's. Uh, I think it's a good movie to watch to specifically look at very particular flaws. Okay. And one of the because everyone involved is extremely talented. Yes. Uh, the the writer director uh, Mark Dindle is is his first movie and the, his first directorial movie. I mean, uh, but he was he was an animator at Disney for years, and so clearly made a lot of connections. And like, I think that Cats Don't Dance is what happens when someone has a passion project, but like can't stick it, can't stick the landing. Right. Like that. Like this is. The, you know what this is. You know what this is, Jeremiah. What? This is Book of Henry. <laughs> this idea. This idea was in this dude's head for too long. Right. And even though he got like a lot of talented people to work with him, like he had a very like spe- too specific idea of what he wanted to do. Which again, like a lot of it, it it's it, in a lot of ways it evokes the like Looney Tunes sort of ethos of of like referencing early Hollywood and all this other stuff, and even and bringing in like the, the, Hal Holbrook is in this movie. What is going on? Renee um, uh, Obenjoa, George Kennedy, yeah, Jimmy, Don Knotts. Don Knotts. Well, okay, Don Knotts just lived at Disney uh, <laughs> Studios. Like, I'm sure that that's where Mark Tindall met him and just was like, hey, want to come over and do well, I'm pretty thing? sure he lived at Warner Brothers Studios. Well, yeah, oh, but I mean, also, like, it, Don Knotts showing up in live-action Disney stuff, like, back yeah. in the back in the day, too. Well, you, you know... But I think... But, the, it, the Apple Dumpling Gang will live on. Yeah, but, like, this is... I think this is very clearly, like, this is... What happens when a passion project like is meh? Because this this is a guy who goes on to make really good movies. Well, everyone in this one of the producers is David Kushner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who did an American? Who exactly on a American Tale? Mm. All of them it looks like. What's Hocus Pocus, which is for better or worse a flagship of the nineties. Yeah, like it, it's a it's a place in a lot of our. It, it has a. A solid place in a lot we of our hearts. We went on to do a lot of the Chucky movies, which that fits because cast don't dance in its own way is sort of horrifying. <laughs> uh, well, I think if you wanted to make a really good understanding of what I think Cats Don't Dance was kind of trying to be, like gesture towards, uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit? 
Yeah. I can see a, I can see a I see a lot of like just parallels in sort of a specific taste and aesthetic of like what people in the nineties looking back at the cartoons of the like forties thought about that time period. Like there's there's a lot of parallels in there, except uh Who Framed Roger Rabbit nails the hell out of everything <laughs> it's trying to do. Who Framed Roger Rabbit is one of those movies that is so good it's, it's hard to realize how good it is until yeah. you see the bad imitators. And then yeah. you're like, oh, you really were like threading a needle. <laughs> I wa- I loved that movie as a kid. Uh, interesting. <laughs> Who framed Roger Rabbit and Honey, I Shrunk, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids has a short film at the beginning. Yep. There's nothing but a commercial for Who Framed Roger Rabbit. And for years, my mom would put one of those two in and I would never know which one it was because I could never remember which short one, <laughs> with, with which movie. And I have this very vivid memory of being four years old and sobbing hysterically because I thought it was Who Framed Roger Rabbit. And it was really Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. <laughs> and my mom could not pull out of me why i was so upset but yeah no i think i think roger rabbit is a great like reflection on the failures of this movie Mm -hmm. uh because it it was made like a decade before almost like almost exactly 10 like roger rabbit is like 10 years older than than uh cats don't dance yeah for nine years like the uh, 80s, right? Yeah, 80, 88 was Roger Rabbit. No. Yep. That's another reason why no. it's so amazing. It's yeah. because it's Who framed still Roger Rabbit? Yeah, Who Framed Ro- Who Framed Roger Rabbit is and I feel like you know what? Let's sidetrack here. Who Framed Roger Rabbit is not in conversations about great movies of the 80s. It's and not. that is that is a crime, a crime because if I were forced to choose and this is me talking if I were forced to choose at gunpoint a ranking, I would put Who Framed Roger Rabbit higher than Back to the Future and not feel even slightly bad about that. No. Where would and Ghostbusters be? I can't I can't put anything higher than Ghostbusters because it has no numerical ranking. But right. um <laughs> But well, I, I, I understand what time, I could understand other people doing so. Who Framed Roger Rabbit has the same issue that Cast Don't Dance in regards to racism. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, it handled it better. Yeah, yes. because it, it because while it doesn't have like because while it's doing the same thing, it shows more of like what like the the segregation and abuse. Like, well, and also what it, it does to you and what it has yeah. an effect on a community. But like, also, it doesn't it doesn't fix everything at the end. Yeah, the the end of Who Framed Roger Rabbit is not that the racism and exploitation of tunes ends. It's just that they're not going to get the literal place they lived in destroyed and melted down. Right. <laughs> like yeah, the, the 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 heroic moment of Who Framed Roger Rabbit is not. It's just that the genocide is not going to happen <laughs> after all. Nothing else is changing. Uh, yeah, like it's yeah. Uh, honestly, that I think that 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 uh, now, I, I didn't think of it while we were watching it, or until this point in the conversation. But yeah, it's it's nine years older, and it does everything better and more confident uh, and more. Com- uh, I confident. just I feel really embarrassed that I didn't realize it. I for some reason was thinking they were more closely production related, so I thought they were accidentally. But now I'm like, oh, cats don't dance. There's no way it wasn't well, again, pulling. Cats don't dance Roger is Rabbit. shockingly recent. It, and I mean, I'm recent comparatively, but it's All like right. 97, and that's. That's after oh, yeah, so many better. Yeah, that's after so many better animated movies. Again, that yeah, part of the reason why uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit is so good is because it's hard to believe that came out in the fucking eighties. Yeah. <laughs> in all fairness, I have trouble believing the nineties weren't ten years ago. So, right. <laughs> even when that thing was a meme, I also have trouble of... believing it was just ten fucking years ago. 
Yeah, it's one of my favorite Onion bits was uh, <laughs> the Onion Radio News did a bit where a new study in, in 2008, uh, they released a thing that was like, new study shows that 1998 was 10 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, and now uh, and now it's uh, 21 years ago. It's fine. It's all fine. So it's just getting farther and farther away. No one told me time would be like this. Um, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, no, like, okay, Rabbit, so at the end of Cats Don't Dance, like Kara said, they show all these posters, and I'm mm. like, okay, before it was like this mixture of human and animal thing, mm, now, now it seems it's gone the other way, and with humans just aren't in movies at all. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's because when you realize how talented the animals are, what point, what value do we have for humans? <laughs> yeah, What's also the- amazing is that all of these films are still being directed by humans and produced by humans. <laughs> so it's like, oh, the exploitation continues! <laughs> All of all, no, no, that's not how I read it. All of the humans realized that what they had done to the animals and then collectively walked into the sea, uh, never, never to be, never to bother anyone again. As if. <laughs> if we're using those as a metaphor for white people, indeed, as if. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, no, it was, I was sort of like, I could tell the people who make Cash Don't Dance love mm. movies. Yeah, yes. but it's in a way that like they love movies in a way that like Michael Bay loves movies, in which like I see that you love the thing you're doing, but yeah. I don't think you understand how to actually like make it. It's like you have the pieces, Absolutely. but like a child, you have no way of knowing how they interconnect or go together or why <laughs> they do so. Good low key uh, a West Wing reference there, or yes. no, wait, no, that's not that's not West Wing. That's uh, Studio sixty. Sorry, uh, I was gonna say Big Lebowski, but all right. Oh, okay. I was I was gonna go with the the running bit about Harriet not being able to tell a joke, like a oh, child, yes? who, uh... like a, like a child who wanders onto the ice. <laughs> That's uh... what I was hearing. And it, but he, here's the thing that I I, I that I want to like. I find a lot interesting about Cats Don't Dance. Basically, like its failures are fascinating to me because also, like I said, this was made in '97, and the uh, the the writer slash director went on to later make emperor's new groove and and uh and like work on other things that i recognize that Jasmine i don't guy was the star of it's a different world like it wasn't like <laughs> so it's like, like everyone i involved I, in this movie is bigger than this movie well no but what i mean by that is like clearly the the director like did this bit like got to do this big passion project and then learned like oh I need to be a better collaborator. <laughs> right. That's my that's my theory. Is that like he had this specific? Oh, this is my vision, and this is what I want to accomplish. It didn't work. It was a mess, and he learned from it. And I I appreciate that. I think that that's uh, that's good. I will say that I love the fact that Danny comes from Kokomo, Indiana. That's from really Kokomo. Funny. <laughs> uh, no, that's the line in the song. Yeah. Yeah. But but. Can you talk about how great Big and, and Loud is again? You you uh, only you only vaguely said so earlier. It's really you good want to talk song, about it. Y'all. We got like two minutes. <laughs> See, and you were oh, worried that I wouldn't be it. able to well, rant. Yeah, like under- uh. yeah, so it's it's just it's a great song, and you should YouTube it. And there's a great bit where um <laughs> the theme of every podcast. You should YouTube it. Don't give anyone Sorry, now, money for this crap. Now, now I'm just going down a hole of move of great movies from the '80s that I had forgotten were uh, were from the '80s. Uh, you, know, <laughs> anyway. you know what else? I, you, you know what else I would put on this list? That list that fits this conversation. Nintendo 
Uh, no, but <gasps> Flight of the Navigator. I said that fits this conversation. Flight of the Navigator is not a musical. Okay. Oh. Um, Brave Sings Little to Toaster. My heart. Oh God! Oh God! That movie's terrifying. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, but it's also great. And I I did not realize that that movie was not from like the mid nineties. I have that never seen it. Still a dread of existential terror. In me You've like... never se- wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. You've never seen the Brave Little Toaster? No. Everyone talks about it, and oh, I have no idea what they're talking about. It's wonderful. Um, <laughs> can we can we talk it about the adventures like of it's a happy story? I love it. I uh... of course you do. Of course you do. <laughs> yeah. Well, the Adventures the... of Little Nemo in Slumberland. Oh. No, that's a good movie. I was so obsessed with that. My brother and I were so obsessed with that movie as children that yeah. my mom refused to buy it. And she would only <laughs> rent it once a month. And we would watch it. like it, That's like, because your mother greedily. is wise and good in a lot of ways. And like fuck, knew how to mother. Like, oh. Oh, I have children that are obsessive little cretins, and I need to prevent them from doing these things all the time that will drive me insane. Well, she also like how my mother banned me from winning uh, Leonard Part Six ever again, like, <laughs> ninety thousand times as a child. Uh, my mom took away Tuong Fu. Thanks for everything, Julie Newmar. I was only allowed to watch to watch it once a month and every time at the beginning of the month she would give it to me, I'd immediately watch it and she would immediately take it away under the VCR. Now, this is also, she's the one who showed it to you in the first place. Yeah, I was like 10. <laughs> she's like, people questioned her about that. And she's like, what? She needs to know that homophobia is real and sometimes men wear dresses. <laughs> like, <laughs> Alright, so this is the end of the musical stretch. We, hmm. might, we might return, but next month we're going to be talking about uh, the best movies of the year. And keep an eye on Wait, the Wait, of the year or the decade? <laughs> No, no. On the podcast, we're going to be talking about the year. Okay. Uh, we're doing an article for the best of the decade, all three of us. I hope I you two that. have been thinking about it, because I saw I you have added been. some movies to the list. I, I have. I been. have. I'm just like, I'm, I'm really concerned, because there's something terribly wrong with me. And the movies that I watch and the movies that I like, and I'm afraid y'all are going to be like, here's this great movie. And I'm like, this one has Explosion, John Wick. Like, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just worried about myself this one has in comparison. She, she, this one has Explosions, John Wick is what she said. Yeah. Just not loud enough. Yeah. Oh. Okay. I have John Wick on there. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, so we all have uh, interesting taste in films. Who knew? John Wick Chapter John Three is, is great. Visual <laughs> masterpiece. Yeah. It's, it's absolutely lovely. No one would ever judge you for choosing that. Yeah, no, I'm just gonna okay, have to get a, a safe list. space. <laughs> At least the Google Doc is. I don't know about this podcast. Uh, I mean, I haven't seen Frozen Two yet, so I guess no list will really be complete. Uh, mm. I just saw it. It's really good. I just saw the first Frozen last night, though. Well, like the night before. Oh, you had you had not seen that before. No, I yeah, I was oh. really shocked by how much I enjoyed the first Frozen. Frozen yeah. was one of Thaddeus and I's first dates. Oh, nice. <laughs> so yeah, that was, was a special place in your hell. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it froze over. <laughs> um. Okay, just let it go. <laughs> Hey, anyhow, so keep an eye on the site for our list of top ten and top worst, top ten best and worst of the decade. And the next episode, uh, we will be talking about our favorites of the year. 
we'll talk later about how we're going to figure that out. Um, yeah. <laughs> but if you want to hear more about musicals, uh, let us know, and we'll maybe start next year. Next year, we're looking at starting a different uh, theme to discuss on. Mm-hmm. But since we <laughs> haven't talked about it in like three months, I'm not sure if we're still doing that. But In Summation, Castone Dance and Rockadoodle are two musicals, one of them barely. Sort of. (laughs) But they are also both definitely kids movies. (laughs) Yeah, but one one is like at least made with kid logic and the other is made with I love all of this stuff and I want to make this movie logic. (laughs) And both of them deeply loved by Kara. Yeah. I mean, it gets the Kara stamp of approval. I think that you should show these films to your child, and if and uh, if the child the isn't room. properly appreciative, then that's when you bring out the brave little toaster to teach them what pain is. <laughs> I've look, I don't know why people find that movie scarring. I enjoy the hell out of it. How old were you when you watched it, then? I can never answer that question, Jeremiah. <laughs> okay. I don't. I don't that, know. That could be the reason why. I don't know how old I was at any time. That's <laughs> Douglas, never a thought in my head. <laughs> how old are you now? That's what are you a cop? What are you a time oh, cop? Oh, she might be. She might be. Uh, you know narc. <laughs> Not a time narc. <laughs> you don't have narcotics in the future. Don't be like that. Uh, I don't. Th- I think we only have narcotics in the future. The future is all. That, I think you got that entirely backwards. All right, that's all the time we have for. Thank you for joining us. Uh, hope you enjoyed it. Uh, say goodbye, Thad. Okay. Okay. Say goodbye, Kara. Goodbye, Thad. Awesome. I'm so glad we did this. Uh, talk- join us next time as we discuss the best movies of the year. Thank you for joining. Goodbye, everybody. Bye.